Welcome to the Cap City Offers Podcast. This is episode 217. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time we're going to talk about breaking bad habits or teaching old dogs new skills, Yeah. Uh, teaching old dogs new ways of doing things they used to do, uh, but in general, taking trying to get to trying to get skills and tasks accomplished at the next level, which oftentimes means learning new techniques or new methodologies for doing things, and then applying those even while learning them. Um, maybe your performance isn't as good as what you used to be, uh, but the way forward to higher levels of performance means utilizing the new techniques. Absolutely. Um... A lot of you guys out there that listen to these podcasts are rabbis for newer shooters. Whether they're younger shooters or not, you're rabbis for newer shooters. Um, you've heard us preach a lot about a new way of doing things. Um, you know, Practical Shooting Group, the the Stagers, the Joel Parks, the Matt Prankas, the all the guys that are the uh, some GMs, some former SF dudes, some current SF dudes probably out there doing this kind of stuff too. And you, we talk about the new way, the new way. There's the new way. Here's the new book. Here's you know. Here's here's all all this new stuff. Um, if, if you are somebody's rabbi, I, I think it would. I think it's a very important thing to be looking into. Even if you are the one with the bad habits, trying to get rid of the old ways of doing things and learn the new ways, I think it's critical that you teach the new people, especially professionals at arms, people staking their life on this stuff, um, and serious defensive shooters. Who are willing to commit the time and effort and resources to learn this stuff to teach the new way so that you don't have to break bad habits if you talk to anybody for time immemorial who's trained people how to shoot they'll tell you that the worst student is somebody who comes in who's been doing what they've been doing for a long time and you have to retrain their bad habits you've got to get them to stop doing their bad habits and then learn the new habits um, and sometimes that that process is involves a lot of dissonance and incongruence, and so you know trying to get that parallel paralleled up lined up and get that dissonance to go away so you can hear the new way is a big deal. So yeah. you know that's kind of some of the things that we're seeing you know around that and just talk about guys that are you know doing things they've always done, and and, and that's great because they program that stuff that we talk about wanting to behave certain skills in a, at a subconscious or unconscious level. Um, kind of mentality and, and and so we all have some of the things that we we really 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 have greased that groove and we've learned how to do these things but then when you find out shit there's a more efficient way of doing this um, getting to ungrease that groove is 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 a difficult thing to do it's a whole lot easier to take somebody from zero and teach them a way than it is to teach them from one way to another way so we're going to talk about some of the things that we're seeing and, and some of maybe hopefully help some folks find some strategies forward to get around that stuff. And, and when you hear us talking about this, if it sounds like I'm crying on the inside a little bit, it's because we're talking about me um, and probably a couple of the people that I consider really good friends who are, who are very competent shooters, but not great shooters. And there's a difference. Yeah. And we talked about that here recently, too. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. So let's, let's rock. Yeah, yeah. It's going back like to my experience at PSTG Summit. Um, you know, trying to to go as fast as I can. I had a lot of tension in my shoulders. Yep. Uh, every instructor is like, take tension out of your shoulders. I'm like, okay, how do I do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because it for me, being able to go as fast as I could, that was the way I knew how to do it. Yeah. But it was that was keeping me from actually going as fast as I possibly could. Yeah. 
Absolutely. While maintaining, you know, accuracy standards and things as well. Absolutely. Well, and and so a lot that that's that's probably been my biggest struggle it, when I when I look at the what seems to be the linchpin that holds this all together for me. If I relax and I run through, and and I'm I'm not a very bright human, so I can like I can I can do some internal talk and some mantra kind of stuff and trick myself into doing the wrong thing or the right thing either way. Um, you know that internal talk at 5:20 when the alarm goes off is that I really don't need to work out today. Um, I really need, getting your rest and recovery is very very important. Um, I can talk myself into bad shit, and I can talk myself into good shit. So. Part of that is stepping up to the line and running through those things that you need to be doing as you draw the gun. You know, am I am I getting that good two finger snatch on the gun? Am I bringing the gun up to somewhere where my other hand can meet it well and and punch that that top index finger into the knuckles on the other side and get that grip? Am I holding you know the pinky driving the pinky down at the bottom of the grip um, and smashing the shit out of it with my off hand? But just holding the gun tight, all those. If I try to do all that stuff without saying, "Hey, roll your shoulders back, shake the arms out a little bit, get loose, keep your head up vertical," if yeah. I don't say that stuff, literally, and do it while I'm standing on the line before I run a drill, then I realize that you're not going to do that in a gunfight. You're not going to go, "Oh, time out, dude. I gotta, I gotta roll my shoulders back, bro. I gotta get loose. Let me do some chicken wings." I know that's not going to happen, but there's a reality check to on the line training it. At some point. I did the other stuff well enough that I do it every freaking time. Like turtle up a little bit, drop my head down, bring my head to the gun instead of bringing the gun to my eye line, and all those different things. So it, it, I, I'm, as we're doing this, I'm trying to reprogram myself, and I think that there's like a neurolinguistic aspect to this that that's a whole other level of brain work that is probably a podcast we shouldn't have because I'm not smart enough. You probably are. Um, but neurolinguistic programming, telling yourself the story you need to be telling yourself that's appropriate, positive, etc., moving forward. I got to say, roll the shoulders back, get relaxed. If I do that, everything seems to click, or at least for enough time until I revert back to my old habits because it's a long enough drill yeah. or a long enough string of fire or enough movement or whatever where I can go full potato before the end because I got to get myself that opportunity to go full potato. Hey, I like potatoes, preferably fried and bacon, but never go full potato. No, not on the range. Not on the range. So that's that's what we're talking about. Um, and and so for me, st- keeping relaxed and getting the shoulders where they're supposed to be, the head position where it's supposed to be before the timer ever goes off, kind of sets me up to get in the right place to do everything right. And if I can keep that relaxation or remember, and it's hard. So it's right. What happens when you want to move fast? You start flexing muscles and creating yeah. tension in your body to move fast, right? And that's not probably a good thing to do either the best athletes in the world still look relatively loose you know the Usain Bolt running a hundred does not look up tight no because if he's super tight he's probably gonna pull something at the 60 meter mark and fall yeah. on the ground yeah which might happen anyway because he's a freaking Ferrari but the point being right so that's kind of it, it's it, it's it's an odd thing to look at doing something that is under stress but trying to do it without stress and that's basically kind of where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let, let's let's put this into, that's my specific. Now, it's not that there aren't other things I'm doing wrong or other things I'm doing dumb. Um, but let's put this into specifics that we're seeing. So, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to pick on one of our guys. I'm going to I'm going to fall on his sword here for him. Um, we have one of our guys who who the, who is a a very competent shooter, to be sure. 
Um, he has taken a lot of training classes, has a pretty good background out there um, with the gun, but I think there's like a gun kata aspect that we were all taught where you do certain things. And one of those things, and yeah, I'm looking at you right now, you know who you are, is, is retracting the gun back to Sewell or back to that high ready with everything you do. Um, even to some extent, if it's a wide transition on targets coming in, if it's any kind of footwork or any kind of movement around cover and stuff like that, the gun gets retracted to a high ready or a soul or something like that. Um, and and, and the, it's a very mechanical thing to do that's probably unnecessary. I would say the situation would dictate why you would bring that gun back to your retention position. And there may be a place and a time for it, but I think we've gotten out of that no matter what come back to retention, no matter what come back to retention is, is a thing of the past. If there's a reason, proximity to an unknown space. Yeah, if, right? you're, if you're working up and down an airplane yeah. um, aisle with people in it, um, then you probably need to retain the gun with two hands. Probably not with soul, um, though. Not with soul, because somebody's something like, gonna take it out of your hands. Right, right, I mean, probably like uh, with like a CCT, a C, you know, that, that CCT kind of way where you're like literally, whether you're two-handing yeah. around the gun to maintain it, not a soul position, which is quite honestly pretty easy to defeat. Yes. Okay. So there, there. So it's not even you know. There, there's some modalities there where that might be a. Pro Let's say you're in a hallway. You're in a house that was built in 1900, and the hallways are super narrow, and you've got to move it on a doorway, and you don't feel it's appropriate to have the gun up for some reason. You've got to have a retention position somewhere there. That's cool, and it probably needs to be compressed because I don't want to stick the gun through the doorway. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very very low odds. Of happening kind of thing for the most part it's just not something you're gonna it's the tool in the toolbox but it's not the tool that you revert to every time correct okay that kind of so we see a lot of this like you know uh, bringing the gun in trying to move with the gun tucked in up high not getting good arm movement um, and 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 he's and he moves well he's fast he's fast with his feet and stuff like that but it, it slows you down to hit the mark to decelerate into the position and then have to extend back out and it's a gun kata thing, and and I, and I'll ask him when I see him next time if he hasn't heard this. If I, he has heard this, he'll probably slap the shit out of me before he says anything. Um, but you know, the curiosity or the conversation before the podcast was: Is this something that you just learn to do and you grease the groove and you can't help doing it? Is it something that you do because subconsciously you want to look cool? Because it it looks it looks like gun kata. It looks like this is how the cool guys do it, so I'm going to do it this way. And I and I, I just would be curious. I would like to believe that it's just something that's it's been ingrained and it's hard to get out of. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, you know, how do you work through that? Do it. Do the other thing. Yeah. What's the other thing? So we talked about movement. Yeah. So in this case, you know, keeping the gun up. Yeah. If it's, short, um, if it's that two, it's two to three movement. step, yeah. keep literally both hands on the gun and the gun up and probably transitioning to the next target visually and with the gun yeah. while your feet are moving. And as you come into, you know, that kind of thing, just below eyesight. Yep. Yeah. And going, what do we say? Six steps, maybe nine steps total. Maybe you're still not, probably not breaking grip. Yeah, two hands still on the gun. Gun uh, slightly depressed enough to move elbows. Decelerating into position with the gun on target. Exactly. And then, and then that third part, then the gun kind of goes out the window. You're freaking running. If it's nine, ten more steps, run to where the hell you need to go because you're trying not to get shot. Um, yeah. you know, and then decelerate into position as best you can, whatever that looks like, depending on the situation. Are you actually being actively shot at? Or can you come into position ready to cover the next guy who's moving behind you 
if you're not actively being shot at. They're two slightly different. They're two yeah. very different things. <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about that a little. But the whole like this is the gun up in in some kind of soul-ish compressed high position where you can't move effectively. It's a detriment in almost all three of those scenarios. It's a detriment to what you're doing. It slows you down and it doesn't keep you ready to do work. So that's one of the things yeah. that we see. And you correct that by practicing it, by doing those short movement drills, mid movement drills, long movement drills. And whether that's, and Ghost Stop's a great drill for that because it gives you all three and it's a little bit of PT. Definitely PT, especially when you do it three times in a row. Yeah, and, and, and it's a good shooting drill if you place the targets at differential distances and do some different, and change it up so that the yeah. long run you're coming in close, the long run you're coming in far from the target, you know, whatever that case may be, if you play around with that a little bit and run some iterations of that, you can work up a lather and get a lot of different things going on from a perspective of are you coming in for confirmation one, are you coming in for confirmation three, you know, where are you at on that from a sights perspective too, great drill to, to work yeah. that. Other drills to work that? Um, to where getting out of that moving and compressing the gun when you move. Yeah, the old uh, Pat Mac um, grid of fire drill. Okay. Or the Blaze X drill. Yeah. Um, especially if you run them on paper and mm -hmm. do two shots per position. So yeah. you have to run, you have to deal with the recoil of the gun. Be accountable. And be accountable for the yeah. second shot. Yeah. Um, or run them on really small steel. One yeah. of the, but it, but paper's great. Yeah, for paper, paper is definitely good for that drill. Um, i trying to think other. I think about the one where there's, um, and I, I don't know whose drill this is, so whoever this is, I apologize. Um, but it's like, there's like one where it's like five shots at 25, five shots at 20, five shots at 15, five shots at 10, five shots at five, all in a row, hauling ass. Yeah. As fast as you could go, because the, the how you come into position to shoot at 20 is way different than how you come into position to shoot at five, and that kind of thing too. Um, and it jacks you up because there's a reload in there somewhere and some stuff like that too. Yeah. Um, I, I apologize for whoever I'm not attributing that to. Yeah, um, there's the NXT performance guys. Um, this is a like a PT physio guy, sports performance guy. I think based out of Texas. He's been on um, some IG lives with Pranka um, over the past couple months. Um, they work with a lot of SWAT guys down down there with the TTPOA and whatnot, uh, but looking at you know kind of more agility and stuff for tactical law enforcement, yeah, um, military SF and whatnot. This guy's actually got a PhD in kinesiology, uh, but they've looked at taking the it was like the T agility drill, which is a kind of a quantifiable like NFL combine type thing okay. that you would do um, with no guns. And their, their whole idea with the kind of the first day is like, let's just figure out how to move. They do yeah. a bunch of two day classes. Yeah. Um, you know, let's look at how to move efficiently, um, purely from a body mechanics perspective. And then we'll layer the guns on top of that. Yeah. But the idea with this, the T box drill is you run, you can run that with no gun, um, just like junior high gym class where you're doing the shuttle run for time. Um, and then you know go back and add the gun on top of it and see what the difference in time is because there shouldn't be that much difference in time. Okay. Wow. Funny thing. Almost like transi transitioning between targets and stuff like that. There yeah. shouldn't be a whole lot of difference whether you're shooting or not. Yeah. This is oh, like wow. a run. Yeah. Run forwards like five or ten yards. Run to the left five yards. Run to the right ten yards, and then maybe go like back to where you started or. Yeah. 
like the the t-box drill you could probably google it and get an, a real thing because it's again it's like an nfl combine type yeah thing um but yeah that's one of the drills that's kind of on our list of things to do we just haven't gotten to it yet sure and it's almost like all movement is critical yeah whether it's small movement or big movement it's like it's almost like all movement's critical and should be athletic and should be trained huh yeah interesting Imagine that. Interesting, isn't it? So, um, and, and that's that's one example. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, um, uh, along with other examples of, of, you know, some habits. And again, these are things that were trained into people. So I'm not like ragging on somebody saying, you know, where did this come from? Good Lord, you know, why do you do this crap? It's literally, it's because when you went to a class 10 years ago, especially if it was a shoot house class or something like that, there was a lot of conversation about where's the weapon at? Does it need to be compressed? This, that, or the other. And then ready positions in movement are, there's it's situationally dictated what ready position you should be u- using. And if you have one that you really, really like and that's what you default to, that's probably okay, except when it's not because they're situationally dictated. Um, you know, and if we get into the history, we could spend, we could probably spend 30 minutes just talking about ready positions, where they came from, the why, et cetera. Um, and this is one of those ready positions that had a real specific genesis that maybe can be applied other places, but in general, there's probably better options. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I would say if you want to hunt ready positions, the, the Pannone CTT stuff has some interesting, if you're really worried about weapon retention and ready positions, I think that, that federal air marshal mindset stuff where you're in a crowd, you're in a combined area as a civilian or as a cop, there's probably going to be people, hopefully there's not, but there's a good chance there's going to be people around and you're going to want to maintain your weapon that's a great place to look for some of that stuff. And maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's dated, but I don't think it is. I don't think it yeah, is. Yeah, and the way that, so the way Mike Pannone and those guys kind of proof-tested things too, uh, they, like, after doing training, the instructors got together in the mat room, loaded up blue gun or loaded up Sims guns, yeah, and basically were like, okay, we're going to test this stuff out. Yeah. And if they could defeat each other... Uh, then either you know if they could take the gun away from the other instructor then obviously the technique wasn't very good sure, uh, sure. and then they also when they did do you know live uh, i shouldn't say live fire but training training runs with sim guns scenario you know, based, scenario stuff, based stuff yeah in airplane mock-ups the role players were told you know if you can take the gun away from the agent while he's walking up the aisle go ahead and do it yeah um, and that's where they kind of realized like, oh, you know, Sewell with one hand, the gun comes right out. Yep. You know, something like a Temple Index with one hand, the gun's getting yep. taken away from you. Yeah. Uh, so having two hands on the gun makes it really, really hard to actually take the gun away. Um, primarily because there's nowhere on the gun for somebody to grab the gun. Yeah. Um, and you're reinforcing the pistol grip with the primary hand, um, which is, you know, pistols designed to mitigate recoil and give you control um, with forces that are going back towards yourself yeah um, as soon as force goes the other way there really isn't a whole lot to hold on to um, but if you got your second your support hand high up on the slide um, it becomes really really difficult to take that gun away from you yep and, and again a very specific tool right in close quarters with other people around yeah a tool in the toolbox um, if you're running from space to pace space to place 30 yards away run run stop yeah run do do that so yeah. um you know interest you know and so that what who else can we beat on without saying their name and pick on them? what other stuff are we seeing um, uh, anybody that's doing overhand rack on a reload like um 
Yeah, sorry, Jaeger, your dad. Yeah. Um, that technique's dated. We still love you. We still but love you, but that, yeah. Doing a, doing, using the slide release on a reload, um, so much faster, so much yeah. more efficient. Yeah. Um, and honestly, any of the, like, gross motor movement, small move, like, all that stuff's just bullshit. Yeah. Um, if you can run the trigger, the trigger is a fine motor skill. Yep. Um, you can either run the slide release with your primary thumb if you have big hands, or when you put the magazine in with your sport hand, um, your thumb generally ends up right next to the slide release. Yeah. So you can hit the slide release with your support side thumb and then reestablish your grip and go on. Yep. And the, the only time I would say that you know if, if you're if you are running or forced to run some manner of system where you can't consistently manage the slide release, maybe there's an argument for doing some of these other things at some point. Because at some point, somebody's forced to use a gun, doesn't fit them, they don't like, they don't need, or they're an outlier from a pure physical stature perspective and it just doesn't fit them. Yeah. Um, you're a 90 pound female police officer who's been given a Glock 21 because that's what the agency uses and you've got to make it work. Okay. I don't. I don't care. Even the, then, I think the slide release is going to be yeah, easier to do than probably. the overhand rack. It's surely going to be faster. So again, we're back to training yourself to do something that's maybe difficult or or a little bit harder than defaulting to what you were taught that maybe is that gross motor movement maybe is easier in that exact situation. It if it's not as efficient, it's not as efficient, and there's just no two ways about it. Um, and the overhand thing. You know the training to clear malfunctions and stuff like that is a whole different conversation anyway so i don't want to default to that i don't you know i don't want to default to that malfunction clearance mindset and i get that some of those skills especially like the tactical response days um and in the or in the early days to you know from the magpul dynamics guys and stuff like that um different world we know that there's faster more efficient ways to do it. we're back to that same conversation yeah. again so you know it, it, it's it's the and those guys all do things differently now than they did as well back then because there's a better way. So stop, retrain yourself, yeah. invest the resources, whether that's time, ammo, whatever, training, going and taking a class from somebody who will go, hey, smack in the back of the head, stop doing that. Um, you know, and and do it differently. Um, I it took me, that's another thing that took me a long time to get away from and it is so much freaking faster and i you know and i crutched it i crutched it from a perspective of oh well i it doesn't matter what gun i pick up okay battlefield pickup i'm a civilian probably not let's be realistic what do i have on me that's what's going to win the fight or lose the fight's going to be me holding whatever i brought to it so yeah. you know pushing that and then i got to oh well you know the slide lock on a glock's a slide lock not a slide release it's hard to hit oh i need a bigger one oh shit i locked the slide back with a bigger one let's go back to the little one and then it finally came down to well if you actually practice more this would work just fine Oh, it's like there's a common denominator again. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and again, you can make the excuses. That's cool. And you might actually have an excuse. Don't care. Work harder. Figure it out. Yeah. Okay, cool. Or better yet, instead of working harder, try to work smarter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the efficiency stuff really comes down to, you know, working smarter, trying to do less, less overall work um, because we have less work to do. Yeah. Then it's going to take less time to do whatever we got to do. And so let's talk about that for just a moment. So that, so that's what you should do. How do you get there? And how you get there is you break it down into small chunks. And you work those small chunks and work on ingraining those small chunks until you get to a point where you can integrate all the small chunks relatively efficiently into the big chunks. And then you practice the big chunk. And then at some point, if you want to make the big chunk faster still, you go back and break it down again. 
Yeah. Because that's how you do things. That's how you get better at doing, no matter how minute that movement may be, there's still going to be a part of it where you're, you're bringing the gun, and I don't want to say like workspace, but you're bringing the gun wherever you need to bring it off the target to get to the button or the lever, which by definition may mean taking your sights off the target, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So what, okay, so there's that movement to that place. There's the movement of actually hitting whatever bump, lever, thingy, do doohickey, do whacker on the gun. And then there's reestablishing what you want on the grip as you're getting the gun back into position. You know, there's that's at least three small chunks, not one thing. Yeah. And so breaking those things down, and that's how you do that. It's no different than we talk about like the grip stuff, um, getting a grip on the gun as you're drawing the gun. And, and breaking the grip down to the nth degree is a wonderful thing without losing sight of the idea that you're trying to create one efficient movement so you're working each part of it rather than trying to have four different movements that are distinct which is not efficient correct okay so yeah so that's how you get better at that pick out what it is and break it down and like so when we did that we talked about establishing initial grip on the gun we talked about the snatch getting the gun up where it's supposed to be and then the extension finding the sights with the extension, with the trigger on the finger, prepping the trigger ready to go bang as you get to full extension and breaking it down in that fashion. It's no different. Yeah. It's no different. So, you know, how do you get faster at things? That's how you get faster at them. And we're back to movement. That T-drill has a bunch of different movements, it sounds like, that then you can put into the real world and apply them appropriately yeah. and make things work. So, um, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, I, I just like, so that heads up, grip movement, releasing the tension really the major tension should be left forearm left hand or 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 weak side forearm weak side hand offside whatever you want to call it gripping the gun everywhere else should be relatively loose and easy to move maybe until you start hitting like the hips to the knees where you've got to have some strength in that foundation but even that needs to be loose enough to move yeah so i don't want to be super tight there i just want to be strong yeah to handle it um what's another thing that's popping up Visual, the visual aspect of it. Um, guys that are not being target focused. Yeah. Um, you know, so we talk about that, you know, with breaking habits, you know, it's all at front sight, front sight, front sight, front sight, front sight, front sight. Um, no, um, good enough front sight, near enough to the rear sight in a very specific place on the target. So let's change that focus from hard front sight focus to hard target focus exactly where we want the freaking bullet to go within the physical constraints of human anatomy if you're running iron sights at some point you got to give up something somewhere to make it all work and it's a it is a complex thing to make work with iron sights um but it is it is not something that's not doable it's completely doable um so you know work your way through that too um and and then and then also or or step into this millennia and and put a dot on your gun and cheat um because cheating is so things go well yeah oh sorry that's a bad thing to say um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's, but at the visual aspect of it, uh, we've got guys reverting back to, you know, when the target gets a little bit further away, they start really slowing down and chasing that front sight before I think they need to physiologically. If you're at 50 yeah. yards, okay, you've got to slow down and work through things. Um, if you're at 10 yards rather than five, you on a big target, you really shouldn't have to yep. pick the spot on the target, get the sight alignment refined to what it needs to be, um, mash the shit out of the grip and press the trigger. Yeah. Have a nice day. Um, you know, so that kind of stuff gets in there too. With the dot optic, um, even with the dot optic, I still think there are guys that they're looking for the dot rather than looking at the target. And if you haven't refined your grip or you're transitioning from that turtle 
to the loose grip where you're, you know, or right. not the loose grip, but the loose upper body, the lack of tension in the neck and shoulders. If you're transitioning to that, maybe the dot's not where it should be. That's another training issue because you haven't worked on your grip presentation, etc., yeah. enough that the dot's mechanically aligned for your eyeball when you get there, but that slows down the visual aspect of it. So you start looking at the dot, looking for the dot, rather than looking at the target and training to get everything in front of it. It Ideally, the gun yeah. comes between your eyes and the target. How do you do that? Practice. Dry fire. Dry fire, a lot. Yeah, yeah. dry fire a lot. And again, you can break that dry fire down incrementally as well into how you're moving the gun and slow things down a little bit so that you're looking at the target, forcing yourself to look at a spot on the target and then bringing the gun over in front of it. Um, and it's funny to hear guys say, you know, you got guys that shoot like Steel Challenge, then they're like, man, as soon as I get steel behind that dot, I'm pressing the trigger. Cool, that's awesome. When you transition to USPSA, you're gonna be throwing some D's and C's and maybe a mic or two here or there. Um, you know, so you gotta make that yeah, transition. To, yeah, you gotta be able to find the exact spot on the target. Yep. In, in the in at a lower level it's not going to matter you know if you're b class c class b class whatever shooting um if you're on the paper and you're going fast that might allow you to win because speed might give you the advantage there but when you get up to where it's serious and there's really good guys out there um you really really probably want to chase down being able to find that little spot because somebody's going to beat you by an ac gap yeah period and they're probably already out moving you anyway because they're more efficient with their feet. Yeah. Or, or in the real world, we want to put rounds where they're most effective on the bad guy. Which is super important. Yeah. Super important. So, yeah, just to break down a few things, you know, trying to get past some of these bad habits, how do you do it? That's some, some strategies for you to work with, to push out there. Because it's like we're throwing all this, oh, we'll just do this instead of this. Well, how do you get there? So this is breaking that down because those questions seem to be what's coming up from the guys that are tuning in. Yeah. So there's some strategies. Because we, we love you. If you need a hug, come in and get a hug. We're up until 3 today. <laughs> uh, on that note, as we come across interesting things, we try to get them posted up to our social media accounts. Uh, on Facebook, search for Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters 2. Uh, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out once a week or drop us an email to info at CapCity, capcityoutfitters.com. We'll add you to the newsletter list. We are here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Um, we're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturdays, 10 to 3. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in.